Hey, this is Junior Ziegler. Thanks for listening to my podcast. I hope this time in God's Word encourages you. Hope it brings you closer to God. Hope it challenges your perspective. Glad you're joining. Enjoy the message. What does it mean to listen to God? To listen to God. To be candid with you, this is a question that has recently taken me on a journey. What does it really mean to listen to God, to listen for God? See, I grew up in church. I went to a Christian school most, most of my schooling. Um, I went to Bible college, went to seminary, you know, the works. And so often I'd run into people who would say things like how they heard from God. Now, I'm not charismatic, and I think, and I still think it's was, it was dangerous to say God told me this. So when I would hear people say they heard from God, I would chalk that up to like, oh, they probably had some emotional experience. I'm not really an emotional guy. I'm not charismatic, so I don't really need to listen for God. Yet part of me kind of wanted to. I mean, God still speaks, Right? God's very active. I think all of us Christians can agree on that. God still speaks. God is very active. He's very involved. He cares. He has opinions. He's our dad. So what does this actually look like then? If he still speaks, what does this look like to listen to him? So a few years ago, I went on this journey to answer this question for me better. I'm still on this journey. I'll be on this journey until I see God face to face. But so far, this question has taken me on this pretty incredible journey. And today, I want to invite you into my journey and start answering this question together because you think about it what if this year 2021 was the year you really listened to God in a way that you never have before I mean 2020 sucked for so many of us and 2021 might be the same who knows it could be worse some of you are like shut your mouth right now (laughs) but what if it's true at the same time what if 2021 was the year that also brought energy to your faith clarity to your spirit the year that you listened to God and had more of a personal relationship than you've ever had with him. The year, this year could be the year that you discover more about God on a personal level and in the process discover more about yourself. Oh, come on, you want that, right? Well, I invite you to this journey with me. Then we start here, Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. Matthew 1. I really encourage you to grab a Bible. Um, I know you're like, you know, you're looking at this Matthew 1, and, and part of you doesn't want to turn there because, like, Matthew 1 is like a Christmas text. Christmas is over, Junior. You know, historically, the church has always celebrated Christmas until the Epiphany, which is, I think it's like this week, tomorrow or Monday, tomorrow or Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, I, I, I think that's more Catholic, though. I, I don't know. I didn't grow up Catholic. I grew up Baptist. And as soon as, like, the 25th was over, it was. And so Christmas is over after the 25th. I'm big on that now. A Christmas tree in our house has to be down January 1st. It's got to be down New Year's Day. Got to start the year fresh. You know, no decorations. That's like a hard rule in my house. Though right now my in-laws are at my house right now celebrating Christmas. I have 11 girls in my house right now. 11. It's like me and my brother-in-law only know how to make girls. And um, in fact, I wasn't, I wasn't supposed to preach this weekend. But then, this is going to stay between us. Then I found out how like, many people were sending into my house. I was like, I'm going to sign up to preach this weekend. So here I am. Um, but my wife told me, you know, Junior, all the decorations in our house have to stay up until, you know, the in-laws leave because they're celebrating Christmas. So all our Christmas decorations are up right now. January 3rd, it's killing me. It just feels so wrong. Like all of you people who keep your decorations up into January, shame on you. This is just, this is awful. Christmas is over. Actually, I, I, uh, for those of you who do have your decorations up, I, I read something this week. It was so good. It said, we're so good at anticipating something, 
but so bad at sustaining it. So we're so good at anticipating Christmas and really bad at holding on to it. Like as soon as all the presents are unwrapped, it's like, all right, we're on to the next. And, and that is so true. All that to say, this, uh, this text, I know this feels like a Christmas text. We're going to get into the story of uh, Joseph, Jesus' dad. That seems very Christmassy. This is not a Christmas sermon, okay? So here's the plan. What we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to get to know Jesus' dad. We're going to follow him around a little bit. We're going to understand the guy a little bit better. Because what he does and how he does it is the best, in my opinion, is the best place to really start this conversation. Of, okay, how do you listen for God and listen to God? All right, sound like fun? Let's do this. Uh, let me pray before we jump in. Father, we thank you so much for your word. I, I thank you that, um, God, you are a God who speaks. And so many of us, I think we came in here t- today believing that you speak, that, that you want to speak. We're just so bad at listening, and we confess that to you. And you want to speak today to us about how you speak, and I really pray that we can focus and listen to what you have for us today so that we leave today with a, with a better, uh, better plan of strengthening our relationship with you because all of us need that. So, God, this, this one's for all of us. pray you focus us in your Holy Spirit, work in us, illuminate this text to us because we need that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18. Again, I know this sounds Christmassy, but bear with me here. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place this way, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Uh, Joseph is probably about 18 years old at this point, which I know goes against what you may have heard. There's this idea out there that um, Joseph was way older than Mary. He was like a silver fox with a gold digger or something like that. Um, in fact, last week I was, I was talking to a lady, and after the service, she had said uh, that she was taught in her church that Joseph was possibly in her 30s, maybe early 40s, uh, maybe even into his 50s. And she was taught this um, because Joseph, she was taught that, kid, that Joseph had kids before marrying Mary, and that he brought the kids into the marriage. This is a very common teaching in some churches, especially a Catholic church. I'm not throwing shade at the Catholic church. I'm just saying this is a common teaching in Catholic churches. It's usually taught in order to back up the doctrine, the off doctrine, that Mary remained a virgin her whole life. Uh, scripture says that Jesus had brothers and sisters. And so some people go, oh, well, Mary was a virgin. We want her to stay a virgin. So those must have been kids that Joseph brought in from a previous marriage. So Joseph was way older. Uh, I don't know why people want Mary to remain a virgin. Like, it, it, it would have been a sin for her to, to keep herself from her husband. Fact is, after Jesus was born, Joseph and Mary did what Mary's couples do. Joseph is not 50. He's about 18, 19, 20, oldest 25. This is around the time that guys got married during this time. And Matthew says here in, in verse 18 that Mary and Joseph, they're betrothed, they're engaged, so you imagine Joseph each day walking to work. I believe he worked in Zipporah or Sephoris, which is a, a neighboring town of Nazareth, bigger than Nazareth. And so he would have, there'd been more work in Sephoris or Zipporah. And so he would have walked from Nazareth to Zipporah every day to, to work up and down that hill, box of chisels in hand, because he worked with mainly stone during the day. And as he walked to and from Nazareth, he's excited, right? He's excited for the future. She's always on his mind. He's got his girl on his mind. Can't wait to get married. And like most guys, what's he excited for? You don't want to say it, but you're thinking it, right? He's excited for the wedding night. When Nicole and I, when we got married, I, uh, she, okay, so she planned everything. You know, everything. She took care of, like, it all. You know, where we got married and all that kind of stuff. And she asked me, she said, you know, can you just take care of one thing? Can you find a DJ for the reception? My mind wasn't there, though. I was planning the honeymoon. You know, so that was what was on my mind. I was excited for that. Like, I'm going to share a room with this girl, a little Nelly. Like, I was, I was planning that. 
I remember after we got married, just minutes after getting married, we were lined up to go into the reception hall. And Nicole looks at me and she goes, who's going to announce us? Who's our DJ? Married fight. Oh, I forgot. And uh, just as we were about to get into our first married fight, after, you know, minutes after getting married, a buddy of mine walks by and he's like, hey, Junior, you asked me to be your DJ. I totally forgot. I'm so sorry. Uh, yeah, let me, let me, I got you. And he like ran and plugged his iPod in and saved me. But I was excited for what came after the reception. And that's not just me. Like most guys, Joseph is excited for the wedding night. And I say that not to be like, oh, crass. I say that because, as we know, his plans get messed with, right? Doesn't it? Like he gets thoroughly blocked. Here's what it says. Before they came together, she's found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And many of us know the story, right? Joseph is a righteous man. He doesn't want to shame her, though he could, but he doesn't want to shame her. So he's going to you know, end the engagement quietly. And then through a dream, God tells Joseph, hey, she didn't cheat. You can take her as your wife. This is from God. Go ahead and marry her. And verse 24 says, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she'd given birth. So that insinuates that they consummated uh, the marriage after Jesus. Okay, so I Here's the thing. I don't think Joseph gets much credit when it comes to this. Because usually we look at these verses and we go, oh, well, God told Joseph, you know, that it's all good. So he married her, you know, easy peasy, all is good. No, no, no. This whole thing that God is doing means that Joseph is going to have this reputation of sleeping with Mary before they should have slept together. So his girl's going to be called loose now. To add to all of that, now he's got to put off the wedding night for at least a few months, if not six months. That's a lot of cold showers. And joking aside, I mean, let's really think about this. God speaks to Joseph. Yes, in a very rare way through a dream. He's probably not going to speak to most of us through. But God speaks to Joseph, and it costs Joseph something. Something big to guys. And we see Joseph paying that price right here. See, it would have been a lot easier to end the relationship, right? Pick another girl, you know, a non-pregnant girl. That way he doesn't get those judgmental looks throughout town. And he gets to sleep with her, enjoy a honeymoon season without a baby in the room. Because all of us know what kids do to romantic times and marriages, right? Just when things are getting really nice, you hear, I gotta poop. And then just like the show's over. So I, you know, it'd have been way easier to like, let's have this honeymoon phase without kids around. But instead God speaks to Joseph and Joseph no, accepts the added weight. And he keeps his pants on longer. And there's something there. I point this out for this reason. So often people will say, you know, they heard from God. God told them to do something. I get this all the time as a pastor. God told me that I got to start this ministry at the church. God told me I got to end this ministry at the church. And, and it's always something they want to do. I remember, uh, I remember in Bible college, some guys, was, Bible college students could be really weird sometimes. And, um, and some of my buddies, they would break up with a girl by saying things like, ah, I just feel like God is telling me to end this. That's like, come on, man. Like, grow, grow up. If you don't want to t- date the poor girl, just tell her. Like, why make God break up with her too? I, I think God's saying, like, leave, this, leave me out of this, man. This is all you. But so often I hear, like, weird Christians say, like, well, God told me to do this. And it's always something they want to do. Like, buy a bigger house. There's nothing wrong with that. But buy a bigger house. Move somewhere warm. Quit something hard. God told me to do it. But whenever God speaks in Scripture to someone in Scripture, it's always something they don't want to do. Right? You think about it. Um, Moses leading God's people out of Egypt. You don't want to do that. Paul going on different missionary journeys when God told him to go there. He wasn't planning on going there. Joseph staying with Mary. It, it, all things the hearer didn't want to do. 
If God tells you to do something, it's probably not going to be something you want to do. Now, that, that doesn't mean that God doesn't like direct our desires. God can do that, and he does do that. But what we can't do is abuse God by saying, God told me to do this, when he probably didn't. And people do that so that you can't argue with them. Oh, God told me to do this. Well, you, know, you can't argue with me because God told me to do this. It's like, end of the discussion. That's just not cool. It'd be like, uh, okay, so my dream, I'll, I'll let you know one of my dreams. Uh, my dream is to live in northern Israel in Galilee. I got it all planned out. I, I'm going to buy an Airstream, and I'm going to live on a hillside overlooking Kinneret. Beautiful. Like, I just, I dream of this. My wife won't go for it. She's like, okay, so we're going to go live like bums and not speak their language and not talk to people? Like, yeah, pretty sweet, right? No go for her. But if I went home today and I said, hey, God told me we got to move to Israel, buy an Airstream and live in it, God told me to do it, then she'd have to go with me, right? Like, you're not arguing with me now, babe. You're arguing with God. This is why people do that a lot of times. So many people do that. In reality, that's taking God's name in vain, making God co-sign to some of your, like, B.S., and God said, no, no, no I, I didn't tell you to do that. That's just something you want to do. Don't attach my name to that. That's abusing God's name. That's taking his name in vain. All that to say, if we're going to really listen to God, i got to shoot straight with you. It's not always going to be like this peachy, emotional, good feels moment. You know, when we think of like hearing from God, it's like, oh, the light is shining on me. The angels are singing. I'm crying. It's this beautiful moment. It's not going to always be like that. It's going to include some difficult things. In fact, I shouldn't say it's not always going to be like that. It may never be like that. But it is going to include some difficult things, some inconveniences and some added weight. And we, here we see that with Joseph. Joseph hears from God. It's not this peachy, awesome experience where he gets to do something he wants to do. It's this difficult experience where now he's got to accept some added weight and put his plans on hold. Getting into Matthew chapter 2 now. So flip over to Matthew chapter 2. Uh, again, we know this story, but King David, or King David, King Herod, uh, finds out about some baby king, decides to kill all the toddler and baby boys in the region to protect his crown. An angel, you know, we have God speaking to Joseph again, tips Joseph off about the upcoming tragedy. And, and, we, and we pick up in the middle of verse uh, 13. Verse 13. The angel's talking to Joseph. Look what the angel says. He says, rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child and to destroy him. And Joseph rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. Now, a lot of commentators um, write that Joseph and Mary and Jesus, when they moved to Egypt, they actually lived in Egypt for up to a few years. Now, that's a really long time to go live somewhere, like last minute, to leave in the middle of the night and go live somewhere last minute. Wouldn't you say? That's a difficult thing. You imagine that journey. Leaving home for who knows how long. You know, once again, packing up that wagon that they dragged down to Bethlehem. Now they're going to drag it across Israel again. They're going to go south, and then they're going to walk west toward the wasteland of Egypt. Mary following along behind with holding her baby close to her chest. You know, the angel told Joseph, not Mary. And Joseph's walking out in front. He's leading out. The arid dust hitting his, hitting his face. Mary's headscarf is flapping in the wind. And they're leaving everything behind them. And Joseph knows Mary back there. She's just got to trust him now. And follow him to some foreign land that she's never been. Where are they going to stay? Where is he going to work? How long will these gifts that they got from the wise men, how long is that going to feed their family? Though going to Egypt makes a little bit of sense. On several levels, um, like God's, God's people being, uh, coming out of Egypt, so that is the Messiah that fulfills another prophecy. But practically speaking, there's a Jewish population in Egypt 
Uh, the Tanakh, which is the Old Testament, the, the, the Jewish Bible was translated into Greek here. You ever heard of the, the, the term Septuagint? It's like a big thing, a Septuagint. That was translated in Alexandria. It would have been translated in Egypt. So there's a sizable population of other Jews in Egypt. Uh, there'll be work for them to do. There'll be community for them to have. It's out of Herod's jurisdiction. It makes sense, but it's all still foreign. And so there they are for who knows how long until God speaks to Joseph again and tells him to go back. You think about this. What a legacy Joseph has. I love Joseph. I've preached messages on Joseph before, all about being a man. You know, he, taking the lead and leading out and keeping your pants on and doing hard things. I mean, this guy to me is just like a legit man's man. I, kind of guy you just want to hang out with. But from this angle that we're looking at him today, I mean, what a legacy. A guy who listens to God. I mean, three times, in just a matter of months, God speaks to Joseph. And each time God speaks to Joseph, it was a crucial moment, wasn't it? Lives were at stake. Had Joseph not been paying attention the first time, his story, Joseph's story, would have ended in chapter 1. He would have left Mary, and we'd be reading about Mary being a single mom, raising, raising Jesus. But he listened to God. If he didn't listen the third time, they would have never left Egypt. But Joseph was present when God spoke. And the question I just want to toss your way is, are you? God spoke to Joseph three times in two chapters. How often does God speak to you and you miss it? The Holy Spirit was given to us by Jesus. He lives in us, speaks to us with God in us. He speaks to us constantly. How often are we missing it? I wonder how, how many of our relationships with God is more of a formality. You know, we, we go throughout life just kind of going like, you know, God spoke long ago through God's word. He spoke long ago and, and did some great things too and kind of understand like some of it, don't really understand some of it, but it means we get heaven. So we just got to, you know, believe it and be on his team and be grateful for it. But is that really a relationship? It doesn't sound like that to me because a relationship always includes talking and listening. Actually, a lot of listening. It's like when I take my daughters out. I periodically take them on dates, like birthday dates. And my middle uh, daughter, uh, Nora, took her out on a, here's Nora right here, took her out on a date uh, a few weeks ago, and Nora nicknamed herself Girl Junior because she's a girl version of me. It's very, very scary. We're the only introverts in the family. I did not get a son, but I got like a girl version of me, and it's just, it's a little freaky. But um, I took her out on this date a, a while back, and uh, nothing was open, right? It's COVID. So we couldn't go eat inside anywhere, which is half the fun. So Nora came up with the idea. She said, Dad, let's get carry out, and let's go to church and eat at church in an office. And so we found an office in the church with a table and two chairs, and we like got a candle, lit a candle, and, and we sat there in the empty church just you know, eating our carryout. And she talked the whole time. I mean, didn't stop. You know. Madison did my makeup, and it's called Smoke Eye. I, I picked this dress out because you said you liked the dress. And Mommy took me to the park today, and we made fairy forts under the tree, and just on and on and on and on and on. And I enjoy it, right? She's, like, she's not much of a talker. She's more introverted. But when we get her away from her talkative mom and sisters, like, it's like her time to shine. But at one point, she's sitting at this little table. She takes a big old bite of her hamburger and with a mouthful says, I've talked enough, Dad. You say something now. I kind of want to say that to God sometimes. Don't you? You're like, okay, so I carve out time to pray and I thank God for his many blessings and I ask for wisdom and I ask for guidance and I ask for courage all the time. And then the next time I pray, I'm confessing sin and I'm, I'm praying over loved ones. And again, I'm asking for wisdom and, and, and guidance and, and courage. But then it's like, I get to this point where I'm like, okay, I've talked enough. You talk now, Dad. 
you say something. You ever feel that? What does that look like, though? Now, here God spoke to Joseph in a dream. That was a special miracle. Not very common at all. Though I've dreamt parts of sermons uh, and then I woke up and like wrote part of it down. And I won't say like God told me to preach them because I don't know. Could have just been I was thinking about that today and then I dreamt it and was like, oh man, nice. You know, dreams are not the norm. Be careful about that. People who are always saying like they God spoke to them in a dream. I just don't trust those people. But God still speaks. I really believe that, and I really believe that He wants to speak to you in 2021. And he wants to guide you. And he wants to speak into those parts of your life that you're trying to figure out that are keeping you awake at night. Like God wants to speak into those parts of your life. And he does. Are you listening though? See, with God, we do a lot of talking. All right, we're supposed to. We're supposed to pray. Cast our cares on him. Pray with thanksgiving. Confession, that is great. We gotta do that. But are you doing any listening? If the creator of this universe speaks to us, wouldn't you say we have this awesome responsibility to listen? So grab some notes. Let's jot some things down. This is huge. Like phone, whatever. But I would, I'd write these down. Uh, to start listening, number one, you got to read. you got to read. Now, I know. This is like starting with the more obvious. You probably could have guessed, we're going to go here. Is the God's word. You know, God speaks to us. We're like, really getting deep here, Junior. Yeah, this is where it starts. So are you doing it? you got to filter everything through this. We're going to talk about that more with our, our reset series, but filter everything through this. Even what you believe God is telling you has to be filtered through this. I, I've had people in my office, women in my office, saying, I believe that God is telling me to, to leave my husband. But like, no, he's not. Well, how do you know? Because God never contradicts his word. So you got to know his word better. we got to know God's word. This, this starts right here. So seriously, come on, let's just be real. Are you in God's word? Are you consistently, daily, pouring over scriptures, wrestling with what you don't understand, challenging yourself, feeding yourself, researching? Or have you settled with the elementary approach, and I would say even a consumeristic approach that we Western Christians have of, I'm just going to expect the church to feed me. You know, we've had, um, so we've had like people, and people are just people, it's okay, but like people will like leave the, the, the church and, and, and on their way out, you know, shoot like an email saying, I'm just not learning under um, the, the teaching anymore. I'm not learning under junior or whatever. And I used to get like really offended and hurt. And then God's like, you're just being prideful. And so I've, I've gotten over that part of it. But still, at the, when people say that, what I always want to say, and, and I guess I don't because I guess it would come across bad, but I've got to figure out how to say it in grace. It's just like, well, why don't you feed yourself? Where am I supposed to get fed? I feed myself. So this right here, this is just like a little vitamin for your time with God throughout the week where you're pouring over scriptures and you're wrestling with God, with God's word. Are you reading this? Or are you expecting the church to just feed you? I mean, how many of us have the best intentions, right? We've gotten into God's word, <clears throat> read a little bit, get to this point where we're like, yeah, I don't really understand this. There's the Leviticus, it's just weird. I'll probably never understand this. So I'll just kind of read this a little here and there, you know, when I'm feeling guilty or when I did something wrong. But I'll leave the full understanding of the professionals as long as I can just kind of check off reading off my list. But what if I approach my girls that way? Like I said, I got four girls. In the, well, I guess I got 11 in the house right now, but tonight I'll, have, I'll be back to four, which would be nice. And You think I understand them? Just when I think I'm understanding them, all of them, including mama, they'll pull some audible and all the rules and the game will just change. It's not fair. 
But the day I stop trying to learn them is the day our relationships begin to deteriorate. And I wonder if that's the issue that some of us are having with God. Don't stop wrestling with his word. It's a wrestle. I mean, I've been studying this for decades. Growing up in Christian school, I've been studying this for decades. There are things I wouldn't put in here. I wouldn't put that in there. But I'm not, it doesn't make me not wrestle. It makes me wrestle all the more. Keep going. Keep reading. Power through. Joseph heard God because Joseph had positioned himself to. He was paying attention. Joseph would have been immersed in the Tanakh, you know, the, the Old Testament. He knew it. He knew it better than we know our Bibles. Joseph had positioned himself to hear from God through hearing what God has already spoken. That's where it starts. So many of us just want to skip like the whole, what has God already said? We want to get to know what is God saying right now to me specifically? It's like, we start over here with what God has already said. A few tips on getting con- consistent in, time, in, uh, in God's word. Consistent time, Because some of us are really struggling to be consistent in, God, in time in God's word, aren't we? So this is a problem, right? We're, gonna, we're not going to have that problem in 2021. We're going to get over that. So here's a few tips to, to get over that. Number one, pick a time. Pick a time. You're not going to read God's word consistently until it's your, part of your routine. And so just pick a time to read it. So for me, I like uh, mornings. I'm a morning person. I, I like getting up before the sun. I work out in my basement. I know you can't tell I don't work out. I don't need the comments. But <laughs> after I work out, I'll walk upstairs and I just cool down by getting in, 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 in the Bible. And, and I got little kids, and so they'll interrupt me partway through. And so I've been trying to get up earlier. At the same time, I think God honors it. You know, when like you're a parent, you got little kids, you got like a squirrely kid trying to read God. God honors that. He appreciates that. But besides, I also love it when, um, I, I want my girls to have memories of them finding dad, reading their Bible, uh, reading his Bible. And so uh, I, I just like that time. And then I'm okay with the girls waking up and interrupting me. But maybe morning isn't for you. Maybe you're not a morning person. My wife's not a morning person. Maybe it's before bed for you. Maybe it's during breakfast or maybe it's during lunch at work. But pick a time and stick to it. This is just your routine. This is my time. History, in fact, even like church history, some of the guys that I really respect throughout church history, some of like what, what the church calls saints, uh, had designated places where they met with God. It was like their God spot, so to speak, where they met with dad. It was a special spot. Where's your spot? Or where could your spot be? My spot is in the front room of my house. We have like a, a little mudroom. And in the corner of the mudroom, I have like a little, an old leather chair that looks out the window. And this is, where, this is where I read my Bible in the morning. It's like, it's my spot. I love watching the sunrise illuminate the tops of the trees as I, as I read. My wife thinks I'm a creep because there's no curtains. And so when she gets back from her run, she's like, there's, there's like this guy sitting in there, you know, looking out the window. But I just love it. It's, it's my spot. Where's your spot? A desk, a dining room table, your bed. But pick a place. Find a time. or find, Pick a time. Find your place. And then make it enjoyable. Make it enjoyable. Some of you have not tried this yet, and you need to try it because this makes, this makes a big difference. Make it something you look forward to because you don't look forward to it right now, right? That's why you want to skip it. So make it enjoyable. Make it not a chore for you. Have, have, uh, have your coffee or tea with you. It's like your rule is first sip of my coffee is with God. No coffee until my Bible is open. Um, maybe pair it with your favorite snack. Pair it with breakfast, you know. Light a nice smelling candle. Grab a blanket. Soak your feet. I don't know, is that a thing, soaking your feet? But if it's enjoyable, try it. You know, I don't know, but be creative and make that time when you're in God's word an enjoyable time. And then, and this is a big one. This is, I would just love to like preach just a full sermon on this one right here. But be silent. Be silent. This has been a game changer for me when I started my journey through answering this question, what does it mean to listen for God and listen to God? This is one of the first things that I, I started trying 
adding silence into my devotions. And, and it was, it's, it's been the biggest part of, of my journey. But I, I, I sit down in my chair, I, pre- I read a little bit, and then I'm just silent for two minutes. I'm not expecting God to speak audibly. Often my mind wanders to, to what I have to get done that day. But I'm training my mind to just sit in silence, just, just giving space for the Holy Spirit to, to work on my heart and convict me. And then I get into God's word, and I, and I read, and after I read, it's another two minutes of just silence. Maybe thinking about what I just read, maybe applying what I just read to what I got coming up that day. But sitting in silence and allowing the Holy Spirit, which is active in you if you follow Jesus Christ, allowing the Holy Spirit to, to work. And then I finish with prayer and talking to God. Again, it's just giving God space to capture my heart, capture my thoughts, and, and nudge me a bit in silence. What started getting me to do this was I realized, uh, you think about Elijah. So uh, remember when Elijah heard from God? He's out in the wilderness, and, and he heard from God. It wasn't in the tornado, you know, the, the wind. It wasn't in the earthquake. It wasn't in the fire, like in all the chaos. Remember this? hear that whisper when you got phones going off and TVs and radios and headphones and alerts and you're just talking away and all the noise. We won't hear the whisper and all of that. So just carve out time to clear the noise and add simple silence into your time with God. Oh, it'll be uncomfortable. Today, we, we like really struggle with silence. Today we feel awkward with silence. It'll be hard to stay focused. It'll seem useless a lot. Like this morning to me, it, it felt useless. But you work through that. You power through that. You just be silent. And you give time for God to do what he wants to do in you, that whisper. It's kind of like adding what Nora said to me on, our, on, our, you know, on her date. Like, all right, God, I'm, I've talked enough. Here's time for you. And you can say, and you can do in this two minutes what you want to do. That's been huge for me, added into yours. All in all, if you want to listen, you got to get into this. Make this your thing. You push through the struggle. You make it enjoyable. You wrestle with it. You seek to understand. It's the start of listening. So read. Then number two, hear. You got to hear it. Acts 2 talks about how God's people devoted themselves to the teaching of God's word. Paul said the word of God is profitable. You remember this verse? First for teaching. God speaks to his bride corporately. So we got to do what we're doing right now. So there's this big thing, um, kind of this like big trendy thing among Christians right now to be like Lone Ranger Christians. Not you, because you're here right now. Um, but people who are just like frustrated with the church and hurt by the church. And some of it I get. The church is not perfect, and, and there are things that shouldn't happen that happen. And I feel for people who have been hurt. Some of you have been hurt by the church. I'm sorry. That's tough. And I'm not downplaying that at all. To be extremely candid with you, though, sometimes I see that anger toward the church go way too far and become an excuse to not live within a community and accountability that God has called us to live in. Like there are, um, there are so I've heard people say like a spiritual abuse, which I think is overused. Some of that is legit, I understand. Some of, a lot of it is not legit at all. And I think the non-legit part should really offend the people who've actually been spiritually abused. Like sometimes I, I'll, I'll hear people talk and I'll be like, oh, come on, that's not spiritual abuse. I've actually been spiritually abused. If you want to talk about spiritual abuse. I went to a Christian school that was just at times nasty to me. And I was forced to go. It wasn't like I could leave at any time. I was forced to go. 
Like, I could tell you stories that would make you cringe. Physical intimidation as a little kid, even in middle school and high school. Public embarrassment in front of the school. Cruelty, bullying by adults. Some real nasty stuff that I've gone through. I would qualify for spiritual abuse. I get it. It's tough. There needs to be healing. It can mess with you. But let's not let those past experiences keep us from God speaking to us in the context of community, which God likes to speak to us through. Maybe you've been let down by a teacher of God's word, I have. That's confusing and that's frustrating. That's difficult to sift through. But, but to remember that the higher we put people on the pedestals, the further they fall. Don't put me on a pedestal. I'm afraid of heights. <laughs> Teachers fall. Teachers fall. It's sad and it's a letdown. But still, God says to us, doesn't mean God's word is not profitable for teaching. We got to hear it. Listen to teaching. Get back on the horse. God speaks corporately to his bride. Our faith isn't just personal. We live in an individualistic society where we see like our faith is just so like emotionally personal. It, sure, but it's also communal. And it's really selfish to get rid of the communal part and just be like, I'm a lone ranger and I'm just going to do this personal thing. Okay, well then you're not going to hear from God corporately. And it's not just church. Uh, read scripture out loud. I went to Israel and I... I um, um, I don't know if I should have been in there, but at the Western Wall, there's like this room, and I just walked into the room, and there's like all these uh, Jewish rabbis that were, they were holding a service, and everybody's reading scripture out loud. I thought it was beautiful. It was so cool. So I, I started doing that. That helps me fight distraction when I, can, when I can power through, like reading God's word, and I, my mind's going elsewhere. I just start reading it out loud so I can hear what I'm actually reading. That helps. So hear it. I listen to preaching during the week, podcast sermons. There are some great teachers of God's word out there. Teachers that are way better than me. I hate them. They're so gifted. Listen to them. And then come here on the weekends and just put up with me with grace. But find ways to hear it. Music, uh, audio Bible. I have a really good buddy who listens to an audio Bible as he falls asleep. He's an anxious person, so he just started doing that. But, but read it out loud. Hear the word of God. Then, number three is obey. Obey. It was Jesus who said, blessed are those who hear and do. Jesus preached behavior modification. God's voice must change us. Obedience is key. And so let me be super direct. And I say this because I love you. I'm going to try to say this as kindly as possible. But if you're living in disobedience, why would God speak to you more? If you won't listen, what's the point? You're stuck. God spoke to you. He's already spoken to you. You won't do it. And so there you're going to stay. And I think a lot of Christians are there going, why won't God speak to me? It's like, well, he has. You're just not doing it. Like if you refuse to get baptized, why would God speak to you? If you refuse to do the first thing he's asked you to do, well, then you're going you're to be stuck there. Can you blame him for saying, let's get that taken care of before we move on to the next? First Peter tells us that our prayers are hindered when we're disrespecting our spouses. Whew, that's a heavy verse, isn't it? Prayers are hindered. If we're cheating, if we're living in sin, if we're gossiping, if we're uh, in direct disobedience to God, we're not going to hear from him. Now, I'm not saying that we need to be perfect to hear from God. But if there's that glaring, undealt with sin that we're just like stubbornly holding on to, that's going to greatly hurt your communication with God. And I believe that God chose Joseph because God knew Joseph would do it. He's going to do it. Matthew says that Joseph is a righteous man, and each time God spoke, Joseph did it. Can you say the same thing? I guess that's a so what, isn't it? That's a so what. Seriously, have you been listening to God? Or does that sound foreign to you? Is there a yearning in your heart for more? 
to really be in tune with God, to hear from God, to be led by God, to be closer, to have this real life-giving relationship with your creator, my guess is you have that yearning. I have it. That's why I took this journey, and I invite you into it. Who knows what 2021 will, will bring us? So much of that is just out of our control. But if this is the year, if 2021 was the year where you really started listening to God more than ever, like, come on, come hell or high water, we'll stamp this year as one of the best, right? So a few questions I want to throw you. Starting tomorrow. Tomorrow, adding it into your routine. Like tomorrow, whether it's uh, in the morning with me, whether it's at lunch at your desk or in the evening before bed, but every day, will you take this journey? I'm going to do this in 2021. I'm going to take this journey of listening to God. And let's take this journey together like a true family should. Uh, Do you know that the Bridge has a uh, reading program? We call it the Bridge Reading Program. We're very creative. We made it so that we can all be on the same page together, literally. Yeah, it, it, it's super, super easy. So download our Bridge app. I don't know if you have the Bridge app on your phone, but you should, you should, you should download it. And on our app, on the Bridge app, if you hit this, this button down here, Bible. So this is the home screen of the app. You hit Bible down here. You're brought to this screen right here. On the right up here is the Bible. You can like read anything in the Bible that you want. Or there's reading plan right here. And it gives you the scripture for the day. So uh, here it's, um, so this is December, this is a screenshot of December 28th. But um, Proverbs 28, we always have a proverb, the, the chapter of Proverbs that coincides with the, the day of the month. And then the scripture, so the Proverbs is like my favorite. I love being in Proverbs um, in the morning. It just, it really sets you on the right path uh, in the morning. But this, this, is, this is the reading, reading plan, and it's great. I mean, it's, it's, all, it's all organized. You know, you think about it. Many of us tomorrow will be all around, all around, you know, the area, but on the same page, reading the same words. How cool is that? God loves speaking through that. And actually, as a staff, we're investing in this. We're, we're, here's what we're going to do. Um, we're going to put more time into this. We're going to put in some extra work, and we're going to make short videos that coincide with what we're reading for that day. Because we realize a, there's a lot of us, and I've been there, a lot of us will be reading, like, I don't, I don't understand what I'm reading right now. And so we're going to make these videos that just say, hey, here's the background. Uh, here's, what, here's what the author is getting at. Look for these little things in, in the text just to kind of help us understand a little bit more, help us uh, in our wrestle. So we're going to do this. I hope you're in for it too. I got to throw you one more question though. And, and this is one that I want to give you some time to, to really sit in and have some corporate reflection and make some commitments right here and right now. I'm going to throw you this question that I'm just going to shut up in just a second. But when and where are you going to listen to God? Your time and your place. I mean, I hope you make it enjoyable. I really hope you, you take advantage of that silence. But let's start with when and where. In fact, let's take this a step further. I'm going to give you time to, to connect with God. Um, I would encourage you to grab your phones out and put it in your calendar or set an alarm. And just, you know, if it's tomorrow at 6 a.m., just put in your calendar. 6 a.m., you're going to have an alarm go off that says time with God, you know, dining room table, in my chair, you know, at my desk. But I would put where you're going to do this. Really commit to this. Have your time have an alarm go off for that time and then add your place on that reminder. I'm going to give you this time, though, to do that on your phones. If you don't want to do it on your phones, I'm not going to judge you for it. I would just really encourage you to connect with God at this point because I really believe God has so much to say to us in 2021. So many of us are just not listening. And so let's position ourselves better to really, really hear from God this year. So this is your time. I'll come out and close this in just a second.
Hey, thanks again for listening. And if you enjoy the podcast, don't forget to subscribe. Better yet, hit that share button. Maybe screenshot it, share it with your friends. Thanks again for joining in. And until next time, God bless.